tuned in. To Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Six after nine o'clock. Tim Finn will read us a poem around about the 10.30 mark, part of the ongoing series, Read Me a Poem, uh, where luminaries, people with a little bent for poetry, at least an abiding interest, that's all it takes, they read us a poem, they rate, and just tell us why. And we'll have a bit of a chat with Tim Finn asides from that, because we can. But right now... It's raining. Bullshit. Susie Wilde for Skeptical Thoughts. <laughs> Hello, Susie. Hi, Graham. Um, now, I love the ad for this, the pain eraser. Um, I'm convinced it must work. It's got a Z in the second word. <laughs> it looks flat as all hell. Anyway, here's the ad. It's a pain, beauty. Tension, irritation can happen anywhere. Here, 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 even here. But what if there was a quick and easy way to get the relief you need, no matter where you are? Introducing Pain Eraser, the self-contained, portable, mini handheld device that delivers fast and effective natural relief for pain, tension and irritation anywhere, anytime. Leading institutions and researchers worldwide are now using electroanalgesia technology to provide drug-free pain relief. The secret is Pain Eraser's ability to instantly transmit bursts of unique PZ waveforms to your brain's pain centers, which activate endorphins, nature's painkillers, and flood relief to where you need it most. Tension, back problems, neck pain, cramped muscles, joint pain. Oh, pain. Pain, 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 pain. <laughs> It sounds like it comes with a set of steak knives as well, doesn't it? So if, if you've not seen one of these before, it looks like a pen. And you basically click it, mm -hmm. uh, and then the click apparently um, puts some pressure on a quartz crystal, and then that produces this tiny little electric charge, which uh, then apparently releases, helps you release some endorphins. Um, and so it costs like 160 bucks, which is quite insane. Uh, and it's and they, it's claimed they work the same way that a TENS machine does. So these are these uh, machines that pregnant women are given during labour to uh, basically you get this thing. It's got battery powered and you put some electrodes on and then it sort of gives you get a little electric. Uh -huh. um, shocks is the wrong word, but, you know, a little stimulation to help with the pain. Can the you tase an ant with it? <laughs> well, the hilarious thing is that... Uh, of, of all the research that's been done, there was a big uh, Cochrane review in 2015 showing actually that there was kind of uh, tens machines might not actually work. Right. Um, anyway, so it's kind of funny. Well, that how would this, they work? That's the thing. Well, yeah, that that is the thing, but it's supposed to be around generating this charge and then it basically makes you release endorphins. Anyway, so they're comparing themselves to a device that the evidence shows probably doesn't work. Mm. Um, and then they're uh, they're, they're claiming that, um, yeah, so that this basically helps. The Last year, Consumer Magazine actually ran a piece and they they um, they asked for their evidence. They were told they had to sign a non-disclosure <laughs> um, agreement to get it, so they didn't. Um, but apparently it came with a 116-page booklet. And in none of those 116 pages was there any evidence for how they, how they actually work um and apparently they've already a few years ago had um one of their ads was basically complained about and found to be you know uh, the kind of the complaint was upheld because it was shown to be not it's, factual come on, Susie, it's <laughs> worth it it's worth it for the snake snake well, noise no, alone isn't actually it? no so okay so this little device you have to apparently click 30 to 40 times 
to to get your little charge to do your endorphins. Um, and the consumer piece actually came with a warning that basically when they did this clicking with this pain eraser, um, it produced a visible spark. So it actually might be really dangerous to use it perhaps if you are near, you know, like if you're using oxygen or if you're um, near flammable liquids. Inside so, an empty <laughs> petrol tanker. Maybe it might actually be really dangerous. Um, so for 160 bucks, probably best to just go and visit your doctor, maybe. I want to try one. Buy. You want one now. I do. I'm kind of keen. Mainly because the spelling of the second word, it's a resistor. <laughs> E-R-A-Z-O-R. Z-O-R. Well, E-R-A-Z-O-R. you know it's serious, right? You do. You know it's serious. And they've got a Z in there. <laughs> I've actually seen something similar, an acupuncture pen. Have you seen one of them oh, going around? Oh, yeah. Where you can just jab yourself yeah. and, oh, I'll have a bit of acupuncture. That's yeah. good. Do they actually have a needle in, no, just a, a, a Don't know. T- point or something? Why would you need a pen? Just get a pin. Yeah. That would do it, wouldn't it? That's what they do at the clinic, if you can call it that. <laughs> clinic, in inverted commas. Okay. Um, now we have this tape stuff. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Kinesio- kinesiology tape. Mm-hmm. Play, play, the, okay. play the ad. Staying active can take it out of you, whatever your age. That's why I use D3. D3 Sports Tape gives you the support and comfort you need to handle the knocks. And it's so easy to apply. There's a D3 tape that's right for any sport. So strap up and be the best you can be. Look for D3 at leading retailers nationwide or check our website. Yeah, so we've we've talked about these tapes before. Um, You'll notice, like... They've been really popular. Athletes will be wearing, will basically have bits of them taped up with usually really brightly coloured tape. Mm. Um, and the idea behind them is that they're um, supposed to reduce muscle fatigue and lessen swelling and relieve pain. And it's all to do with possibly lifting up the muscle or something and allowing lymph to move. And it's all bullshit, basically. Um, but there's a really interesting little uh, paper that's just been published. So some researchers from Sydney, um, they wanted to know whether the colour of the tape mattered and perhaps athletes were wearing them um, and and so even though there's no evidence they actually work maybe they maybe they make them feel better um, so there was sort of like the if you wear red then you might feel stronger or maybe your uh, opponents might feel intimidated or something right so That's what Manchester United's been thinking <laughs> for a long time exactly um, so what they did was they they took 32 healthy people they randomly assigned them to one of five groups the so one that had no tape at all um, and then four other groups that they did have tape applied to their knee um, either beige tape with no tension because this is a tape that basically stretches and kind of pulls and stuff oh. um, so with no tension beige tape um, with tension or then uh, red tape or blue tape again with the kind of tension and then what they got them to do it's kind of cool was they asked them to hop on one leg for as far as they could um, and then they measured the distance and they did this a few times and took their their best distance and then they did some other little things like they got them to um, I think they got them to sort of like lift their knee and they looked at the force that they exerted and stuff uh, and then basically looked at all this, these kind of things and they said right okay so does the colour of the tape um, matter uh, what was great of course is they had their control they had no tape at all and the, and the upshot was nothing mattered <laughs> there was no effect people like to put tape on <laughs> they do don't they they 
think, oh, that's going to feel better. <laughs> but what was really hilarious was they spent quite a bit of their discussion talking about why it might not have worked at all. And they were like, and they, they kind of sort of focused on the on the colour thing rather than just the tape didn't work. And they were saying that maybe, you know, they should have instructed people to look at the tape or, or perhaps um, the people wearing different coloured clothes might have kind of um, interfered with it uh, and that maybe they should look at some more manufacturers. And it's like, no, just call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> the tape doesn't work. Wearing the wrong so, clothes for your tape. It. I mean, really, turn <laughs> it up. That's hilarious. Anyway, so it's good that we now have another published study that says it doesn't work. Yeah. Although, admittedly, these weren't elite athletes, but... Um, <laughs> well, whatever. Exactly. Plenty of elite <laughs> athletes buy into this stuff. Oh, they do. They really do. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how many things that we just took for granted um, that we always thought would work, mm. and so many things don't. Even, apparently, stretching. Stretching before a game has no, apparently no benefit. It just makes people feel better <laughs> before they run on. It's, you're not really oh. getting warm, warm, up, warm up, for sure. Right. Warm up. But stretching's not going to help. Ah. Yeah. There you go, the things you learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll take a short break, and when we return, the story of the Sentinelese, and I've got a bit of a a bit of a background story about the Sentinelese, um, the most isolated group of humanity known on the planet. The Weekend Variety Wireless. Sad news this week that this, I've got to say, damn fool, um, is, nobody deserves to die, but he's tried to contact the, the most isolate group of humans known on the planet in the Sentinelese. There's a hell of a story behind them that nobody knows, and that's part of the story that nobody knows anything mm. about them. Um, th this is the continu continu continuation of uh, sceptical thoughts. Now, here's just a little piece to remind you what happened this week to this poor kid. This American missionary's been killed and buried by a tribe of hunter-gatherers on a remote Indian island. 26-year-old John Allen Chow was a self-styled adventurer and Christian. Police say he'd gone to the North Sentinel Island of the Andaman Islands in the Indian Ocean to proselytise. It's home to the last pre-Neolithic tribe in the world. Visitors aren't allowed in. The fishermen who took Chow there illegally have been arrested. We apprehended uh, these seven people who supported uh, John Allen Chow, actively facilitated him to go to uh, uh, the North Sentinelly Island. Media accounts say he was killed with bows and arrows. On a post on his Instagram account, his family described him as a missionary, wilderness emergency medical technician, soccer coach and mountaineer, adding that he had nothing but love for the Sentinelese people. The family asked that the locals involved not be prosecuted and say they forgive those responsible for his death. Uh, we really, I, I don't think uh, most of the people concerned with this really have much of an idea about exactly how isolated these people are. How would you prosecute them? Nobody knows anything about their language at all. Well, and why, I, I, the story just, it just beggars belief that this person, I mean, it, whether he was a missionary or, or an adventure blogger basically wanting hits on his blog, mm. <laughs> either of those things, you know, he basically broke the law to visit a, a tribe that 
were it was illegal to visit because they do not want contact. They've made it quite They've plain. They've made it very clear that they don't the want contact. For the last 60,000 right. years. And the fact that when they have, you know, when tribes like them have been contacted in the past, people die. They, these, you know, not and not not the people who are doing the contacting, right? You know, we take our diseases to them. Um, and so it just, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of blown away by both the arrogance of people wanting to do this kind of thing. Well, he's got but, it in his head that... Um He's going to find more souls for Jesus. And it did say in the Bible that, you know, once all nations have heard of Christ, he will return. And maybe this is the last bunch and he thinks oh. it's going to happen because of that. I'm still, I'm still not, I don't know whether the missionary thing is being kind of played up. I don't, you know. The, no, I don't know. I mean, the, it's the, the he had a go seems... twice at this and said, yeah. Jesus loves you and then was chased away and he came back. <laughs> uh, these people have been... I'm not going to say stranded, but that's, they're on this island. God knows how they got there. Uh, boat. Um, 60, 55 something thousand years ago. Part of the first migrations out of Africa. Mm. The um, more closely related apparently to Aboriginals than anyone nearby. Similar for a couple of other um, groups in the Andamans that are pretty remote anyway. Mm. But this outfit has resisted anything, any contact ever. They don't think there's ever been more than about 200 of them. Mm. It's about the capacity of the island. They have lost the ability to make fire. Wow. They keep fires going. Now, that's some work. <laughs> but then again, that's how humans survived yeah. for a long, long time. They made fire once, but that's gone. Um, people have tried contact, they've been attacked, they've left things for them. Some pe castaways have been there. Um, bloke was shot in the thigh with an arrow and uh, managed to escape. Mm. And they came out screaming and had sex on the beach. Oh. As some sort of celebratory thing. It's what they do. Fair enough. Who cares? <laughs> um, but they are a thing all to themselves. Yeah. And I, strangely enough, have been trying to get an anthropologist to talk about this for the last couple of months. And now this guy goes and gets killed. Yeah. I was on the verge. I started with Lisa Matasu-Smith. I don't know anything about these people. I said, well, that's kind of the point. <laughs> Put me on to someone in Malaysia who studies in the Andamans. I've studied this group and that group, but I don't know anything about the Sentinelese, so I can't help you. But that's the point. She put me on to a bloke in India who emailed back yesterday, I've studied this group in the Neonjay, which are apparently closely related, but I don't know anything about the Sentinelese. <laughs> Nobody does. And the uh, administered, well, were, by the Indian government, who self-unilaterally declared them as an independent republic. <laughs> Good on them. So that's it. Yeah. The um, thing that really disturbs me is the um, talk of going to try and recover his body. Uh, again, because you don't. You, no, you just leave him there because again, it's that danger kind of, enough, dangerous enough, dead as it is. Right, the kind of you know, it's sending more people and the risk that that poses to that society is just. I, I, I think we should all just be thinking of Star Trek. It is Star Trek, the one that has the yeah. director where you leave. Just we should all be doing that and just leaving them be. I, I um, read a fantastic thread of tweets on Twitter tonight. Um, I can't remember the, the man's name, but he was uh, talking about somebody who um, had had contact with the Sentinelese mm -hmm. 
in the 1800s or something. A British naval officer, Maurice um, Portman, apparently, uh, actually from <laughs> from the man's own diaries, it would seem, had a bit of a thing for abducting people from remote um, tribes and documenting their genitals. For, right. I guess, for king and country or something. Um, and apparently he... It makes him proud to be British. Exactly. Apparently he uh, had, on several occasions, had kidnapped uh, some of the Sinclairs. I guess they didn't probably think of it as kidnapping. Um, there was one occasion that was written about where there were some a uh, couple of adults and some children uh, who were basically uh, found when they did one of their little kind of mm. jaunts into the um, Sinhalese territory. Uh, they took them away. The adults really quickly died. Um, so at some point they returned the children. Um, who knows what those children had been through? But there's kind of living me in living memory almost, or at least, you know, maybe just a, a kind of a generation or so that... Uh, you know, knowledge of what happens to people when um, when they encounter the outside world. So yeah. it's um, it's yeah. There's no wonder they wouldn't want to be contacted. Just I find it kind of be. amazing. I'm intrigued. I'd like to know more, but I, I I'm not that bothered. I think it's just kind of awesome that mm. there still is a group of people that yeah. may as well be on another planet. Um, nobody knows anything about their language. Um, even how many there are. Oh, the big tsunami. Yeah, that's They thought yeah. it might have wiped them all out, but maybe mm. as few as 15 or something mm. survived. Nobody knows. Mm. But having lost the ability to make fire is... It's quite something. It is something, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I say leave the, the dead adventure blogger yep. buried in the sand and yeah. just leave them all alone. Actually, I listened to some talk back on ZB uh, <laughs> on, on Friday. It turned into Radio Rima about how wonderful it was that this person was championing for Jesus. Oh, well, he, he has turned into a bit of a martyr, it seems, which, again, I mean, he's not a martyr. He's an idiot. And <laughs> and he's put, you know what I mean? Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's, uh, anyway, yes. Go look them up. Sentinelese. S-E-N-T-I-N-A-L-E-S-E. Um... T-I-N-E-L-E-S-E, -E -E, pardon me. Um, Wikipedia is as good as anything because there's not a lot of research <laughs> done on them and it'll probably stay that way. Indeed. All right. I found um, a little goodie. Was there anything else from you? No, that's all me. Me done. Thanks. I found a goodie, a new thing on YouTube from Carl Sagan, Whoa. who died decades ago. It was a wonderful, wonderful science communicator, made the Cosmos series that just wowed me. It was just so lovely. And it's such a lovely, affable way of um, explaining things and being really, really straight up at the same time. This is a lecture from 1994 that was lost. No one thought anyone had footage of it. Um, so... You know, you can go find Carl Sagan's stuff on YouTube, but it was very, very unlikely that anything new would turn up. But something new did, albeit from 1994. It's nothing particularly out of this world other than it being Carl Sagan and just being him is kind of out of this world anyway. He's groovy as. And so a little piece from Carl... Oh, I'll play this while you are here, Susie. This is a nice one. A little thing on astrology. Um, I want to... The Q&A is marvellous. So all you have to do, if you want to see it, YouTube, um, search for Carl Sagan 94, and it will turn up. What your views were on astrology. I know it's a related science, astronomy. On what? On astrology, um, extrasensory perception. Astrology is a hoax. What's, excuse me? It's a hoax. Hoax? H-O-A-X. So... 
what about okay? What about the documented proof? Of, Say again. What about documented proof of studies where uh, ESP clairvoyance? You totally well, disagree. That's different. That's different, right? Right. Okay, well, that's Astrology wrong. is different from ESP okay. and clairvoyance. Sorry right? to confuse the two. Um, about but, no, I'm happy to answer. I okay. just, just want to be, okay. be clear. Extrasensory perception, telekinesis, right. do they exist? And does everybody, do certain right. individuals have it? And how did it arrive um, if into society? If it exists, it would have arised by evolution, by natural selection, the same way as everything else. But what do we mean by extrasensory perception? There is a uh, African freshwater fish that establishes uh, static electric fields and then detects its prey by perturbations in the electric field. We can't do that at all. Doesn't correspond to any of our senses. Does this fish have ESP? In a sense, yes, but... <laughs> okay. If it does have ESP, is this mysterious? Is it a challenge to science? Or is it just another way of perceiving the world? It's, it's a different way of perceiving the world. Yeah. Well, so, I Therefore, if there is ESP, I think the chances are excellent that, uh, that it can be well understood by science, but to the best of my knowledge, there isn't any ESP. Susie, thank you. <laughs> Weekend Variety Wireless. Stumbled across a really good YouTuber as well. Another one, his name's Telltale, an ex-Jehovah's Witness. He's calm, he's assured... He's not mean, he's not, um, surprisingly, he's not angry, uh, but he is damned enlightening. We'll be speaking with an ex-Jehovah's Witness very shortly, but I'll just give you a little taste of this before, cat. When I was talking about Hurricane Katrina and how Jehovah's Witnesses were sending people down to repair other Jehovah's Witnesses' houses. They're both very self-centered and very altruistic at the same time. It's an interesting combination. An interesting case study to manage to have both of those qualities, each for a different population. So that's the first problem with Jehovah's Witnesses. They're honestly good people when you get on the inside. They're raised to be honest to a fault and altruistic. But both of those qualities come with caveats. Honest, as long as it doesn't harm the Watchtower Society in any way, which means they're required to lie in service of the organization. And altruistic toward other Jehovah's Witnesses. Sometimes those qualities leak out into other parts of the person's life. So, that's beneficial to some extent. Now, I mentioned there were a few things that just disintegrated any good Jehovah's Witnesses might do for people. The altruism thing, that only really becomes useful for society if the person leaves the religion. If the person leaves, they allow that trait of altruism to propagate to more than just fellow Jehovah's Witnesses. They use All right, that's a little from Telltale. Joining us is Shane Metchen, a former Jehovah's Witness, was a Jehovah's Witness for 42 years. Uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Are you familiar with Telltale? What do you make of his take on being an ex-Jehovah's Witness? Accurate. He, uh, he describes how things are uh, exactly right, and he's very, re very realistic as to uh, what he presents on his YouTube channel. A Jehovah's Witness for 42 years, not simply a follower of the religion, but you were an elder as well. Yeah, well, the first time I went to the Kingdom Hall, not that I can remember it, but um, it was around January the 30th of 1968. I was only three days old. And um, my parents, as they always encouraged, were to take their children along and um, either drag them up, <laughs> that's what I call it, or uh, bring them up in the way that they were encouraged to. Um, I got baptised at 15, 
you know, you sort of progress along the way. Um, became a ministerial servant around 21. Um, I was that for about five years. Um, 26, 27, I became an elder. Um, you continue to do training and they encourage you to do uh, different things. And basically, I guess I was a perfect example of watching Watchtower and following their procedures and their policies. We'll get into what the mindset was and probably is of the Jehovah's Witness. Um, but just a little on who on earth they are. They're an end-of-the-worldy outfit, eschatological, I think is the uh, theological term, end-of-the-world stuff. Uh, they kind of related to the Seventh-day Adventists, but might not say that now. Um, what's the deal there, Shane? Yeah, well, back in the 1800s, they uh, split from the Millerites, and um, it was a Seventh-day Adventist and Jehovah's Witnesses. They came from the same... Uh, dot in time and because they didn't like some of the things they split and Jehovah's Witnesses um, came from the Bible Student Association early this cent uh, last century 1900s and uh, we've got Jehovah's Witnesses as we have them now. What do they believe in? All sorts of things. Um, they started off with um, certain times and dates in mind when the world was going to come to an end. One of the big ones was 1975. Uh, that was a total failure because as you know it's now 2018 um, so their prophecies or their prophetic sorts of things um, totally whacked out of the you know hemisphere as it were because a lot of their beliefs are wrong they're false and they're apostate okay uh, Revelation's the famous book uh, their favourite book by the sounds of it uh, and there's a thing to do with the Jehovah's about 114,000 people are going to be chosen Oh, you mean 144,000? Pardon me. Oh, no, back of the class. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, they um, believe 144,000 are going to be going to heaven. Um, those ones are going to be ruling over the ones who are going to be left here on the earth for a thousand years, and then paradise will come. So what is the... They're not the only bunch that believe in whack stuff. For goodness sake, uh, what makes it uh, a damaging thing? What's wrong with them? Okay, I guess what you've got to understand about the witnesses is, um, like Telltale said in that video clip, there are some very nice, good people. Um, lovely, lovely people. What happens in the Watchtower organisation? Jehovah's Witnesses follow a set of procedures that uh, what is called the governing body, that is eight men in charge of what they say is over eight million followers here on the earth. Um, they set guidelines. Some of the wacky things that when I started to do what they told me, because like you would prepare a thing, they used to have a Bible reading highlights. Now, they encourage you to do practical search and apply it practical. Um, after being out for about eight years, I started to do some practical search and some of the wacky things I came across was in the elders book. Um, now, I was an elder for over 10 years and I truly believed what I was doing was right. I really wanted to help the ones in the congregation. And in their latest elders book, they basically say that if an appointed elder has made a mistake, which was many years ago, so say he slept with a woman mm. and it wasn't known, and then a few years later it became public or it, he confessed, he would not necessarily be removed as an elder if it appeared that Jehovah's blessing was on that individual which means basically having parts on the meetings and being active and looking to the outside that he was a good guy. 
But if it was a normal publisher, and that's what you call Jehovah's Witnesses that knock on your door, um, they would get removed for such activities. When I saw that, I thought, nah, this is not right. And I started looking for other things. Like some of the other things. um, And anybody can do a, a search. If they go to Google and do a search, look up Jehovah's Witnesses and Child Sex Abuse. Now, I grew up in that organisation thinking that it was clean. You know, they used to bag, and they still do, the Roman Catholic Church. They give them heaps because of their child abuse. Now, do a Google search, and you will find just recently they just lost a $35 million lawsuit because of abuse within their organisation. Now, I have evidence that even far back as the early 90s, a letter that I have indicates they knew that there were things that were going on in court cases dealing with child abuse. You can do another search and, and just look up the, um, put a search in like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, what stocks do they own? And you will find from the IRS Inland Revenue Reports that they own shares in Boeing Co, General Dynamics, Honeywell, Lockheed Martin. What do they all have in common, you reckon? Uh, um, they're quite successful? I don't know. Yeah, they do. But they make war weapons of mass destruction. Oh. And yet they go on about the peace and security and how witnesses should not be going to war. And through one way or another, they have shares now that earn them millions of dollars. You know, back in um, a few years ago on their broadcast channel, a guy by the name of Stephen Lett went on JW Broadcasting and said, we have money going out and it's more than the money coming in. Now, with just two of their corporations, those two alone are worth $1.5 billion. And so from um, the previous two years of what they were talking about, they brought in or increased the value of Watchtower by $140 million. Okay, one of the things... How did you get out of the church? How did you stop believing? Um, I sort of wandered out. I disassociated myself, and before I knew it, I I just... It was gone in my life. That was for a period of eight years. I always thought it was a reasonable organisation. I thought they were kind, they were loving, and nothing much wrong was in that place Mm. until I learnt about the elders and what they did, and then looking at the Australian Royal Commission, which was completed last year in Australia, did you realise that in that organisation that 1,006 members were criminals? They were pedophiles. Not one of those 1,006 members got reported to the police. So the thing that that makes you unhappy about this, of course, is the kind of internal protection of Jehovah for Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness for Jehovah's Witness. Yes. You know, if if a person was, much like, you know, in the Catholic Church, they protect thousands of children. Jehovah's Witnesses, by means of the policies of the elders, now remember, the policies are dictated by the governing body and the elders have to follow it and copy it. So what happens is, imagine if an elder was to speak out about that, what do you think would happen? 
Um, now, they'd be shunned, I suppose. Well, possibly. But they get removed as an elder. Like in Ireland, there was a case where a body of elders had to deal with a child abuse case. Now, you've got to keep in mind also, no Jehovah's Witness elder is trained to look after child sex abuse. Even on their webpage, in their own statement, which came up earlier this year, it took them many, many years to get it up onto their own webpage, they say they look after the spirituality of the congregation. They never, ever report it to the police. Okay. What is the view of the worldly ones, people that aren't Jehovah's Witnesses, from a Jehovah's Witness point of view, give us what your mindset was for um, non-Jehovah's Witnesses from the Witness point of view. You don't have anything to do with them. It's as simple as that. Like, say they, you were working somewhere, they wanted to have drinks. We were encouraged not to have that because worldly people can get us to think wrong can lead us into wrong actions, like going out and sleeping with somebody, um, doing drugs. They were trying to tell us to keep away from that. Now, I sort of tested that theory out. I was in the United States on work training, and I'd always been told this. I went along to something just to test out whether that theory was correct. Um, it is furthest from any truth they could ever give us. The people who were non-Jehovah's Witnesses were kind, were loving, were supportive. They wanted you to succeed. And That's you've been different. told that they're not, that, uh, yes, that non-Jehovah's Witnesses are, uh, are demonised, are going to yeah, turn you. drunkards, sex, sex addicts, um, murderers, criminals, just not very nice people to hang around. So you might as well not hang around and just hang around with uh, your brothers and sisters who you would call Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and the shunning is a big part of Telltale's story, and he's not the only one as well, that if you um, either misbehave or walk away from the church, you don't see your family again. What, what happens? What are the rules? What happened to you? Um, even to this day, I can't speak to my son. He's, he was really blackmailed, and that's what happens. You, you get disfellowshipped, or even if you walk away from within the organisation, their view with regards to uh, ones that are out there in the world, like you were speaking about before, is they are out to get you. So they excommunicate you, like the Catholics talk about. Now, they won't use that word. They will use disfellowshipping. They don't really use shunning as a word even though they will go on TV and in courtrooms and say, no, we no longer, we don't shun them. It's up to them what they do. But you ask any Jehovah's Witness who has been removed or who has walked away, ask them if they can talk to their children, to their mother, to their father, to their grandparents. They are not allowed to talk about anything unless it's a matter of medical emergency. Now, that's also a difference too because some people have found that their parents their grandparents or somebody has died in the family and they are not told until weeks or months later that they have died other parental response legal responsibilities that get assumed uh if a say 15 year old kid uh walks away from the church not being talked to by their parents don't they have a legal obligation you would think so but where I live at the moment, um, there was a case of a, 
a young woman. She was 17. She did something wrong. She was disfellowshipped. The parents kicked her out and she was all alone with nobody around. So it, it varies from family to family. Some will be brave enough to stick to their guns and look after their children. A large portion will just kick the kid out, leaving them to their own devices. There's a way back, though, isn't there? Whereas the process from the Jehovah's Witness point of view for that child to come back to the fold, what is it like? Um, terrifying. Basically, they're removed. So people, when there is an announcement, um, say, for example, me, if I'd done something wrong, they would say, Shane Meachin is no longer a Jehovah's Witness. No member in the congregation is told. So regardless of whether they've walked away, whether they've done something very minor, many Jehovah's Witnesses will think, oh, they're weak, uh, they've done something really major, and they're no longer witness. What happens after that time is if a person decides to go back, he will need to go to all the meetings. He will sit in the back. Nobody will talk to him. He's not allowed to answer. He's not allowed to do anything. He'll walk in. He will listen to the meeting. He will then walk out. After some period of time, depending on what the gravity of the sin was, he can then reapply by writing a letter of reinstatement. The elders normally the judicial committee that made the decision will make sure they get to speak to the person and then they will decide whether there is real remorse or humility on their part. If they go, no, you just got to keep on going back to the meeting, sitting there with nobody talking to you. And you can imagine, um, while some of them will be happy to see you sitting in that hall, a lot of them will be talking about you behind your back. Yeah. And they keep doing that. They have to write another letter. I've heard of one case where it went on for four years trying to get back in there because the elders who dealt with them felt, whether it was because of evidence or their own feelings, they felt, no, you're not ready to come back. Um, the tree, oh, Goodness knows what it would be like to be gay and a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, would they say there aren't any? What happens? What's the attitude there? Um they certainly don't like the activities of a gay person, whether male or female. They will, they say, well, you can still be part of the organisation, but you must not practice it. All oh, right. Yeah, hate the sin, love the person sort of yeah. attitude. Yep, you've got it. Yep. Okay. Uh, treatment of women. Well, uh, <laughs> the Watchtower has a very interesting view of women. I'll read a quote from a, a governing body member, Samuel Hurd. He was, in one of his parts at the district convention, said, scientists say that the cranial capacity of a woman is 10% smaller than that of a man. So now this shows that she just is not equipped for the role of headship. Her role is one of submissiveness to the man. And all through, um, that is what is coming across. I've spoken to a couple of women just recently um, and also many throughout New Zealand, and one thing stands out. To the woman, when they speak and ask for help, now we're talking about help with their abusive husband, help with their children, help with other issues. One woman got told, you've got to pray more. 
You've got to study more. You've got to read the scriptures. And you've got to be more submissive to your husband. Another woman, um, just at, you know, she'd been married for only two weeks and the abuse started in her life. Now, what happened a few years later, she was pregnant at five years old. Uh, sorry, she was pregnant five months. Um, according to the elders and what they heard from her husband, she apparently walked into his closed fist coming towards her at a fast rate of knots. They did not want to know what was happening in the way of abuse. He was a regular pioneer. He was a ministerial servant. And all the elders could say is, oh, he wouldn't do that. They mm. did not listen to not only those two women, but the many women I've spoken to. To them, you know, they say, oh, women are lovely, sweet things. They're there to help man. They really do not care two hoots about looking after them when they're trying to cope with the abusive situations that they have going on in their family. We're speaking with former Jehovah's Witness Shane Metchin. Um, one thing I notice in Jehovah's Witness videos and publications is repeated over and over again. It's got to be something up with it. Um, respect the elders. The elders are God's gift to this earth. Um, literally, that's what they say. And they just, yeah. there's so much of this. Yeah. So what they do in, in district assembly parts and in meetings is because they're taking the lead, um, they're saying to Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, if you've got a problem, go to the elders. If you need to make a decision, you can work on it. But if you struggle, go to the elders. Whatever they say, regardless of whether they are saying something that's sensible or not, obey them. What's the deal with the style of the videos? Really, it's so strange how they speak like this. I, I think you could call them robots. They might be AI or something, but no, they're real people. Um, as to what style... Were you taught <laughs> to speak like that? No. Um, when I was at Theocratic Ministry School, if somebody, overseer, I mean, um, if somebody was to speak like that, I'd pull them aside and we'll have a little chat to try and bring some life but into their... But their, their official videos are like that. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. You must have a sense of helplessness because you know exactly how you're viewed from the inside out. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know with um, because the view of media and Jehovah's Witnesses is that this is all Satan's media. They will most probably not be listening to this. No. Um, they they won't be going on the internet because they're encouraged not to do Google searches, not to do YouTube. And yet in a watchtower just recently, they said to make an answer, but before you answer, make sure you've done your research and find out the facts. Now, they're not even told the facts, you know, they don't know what's going on in the world around them. In fact, they even said just recently at the annual general meeting that their broadcast station, JW Broadcasting, is going to be the only place they will need to go because the news is not fake news. Yeah, but they are, it's um, the cat's out of the bag. They must be absolutely yeah. petrified because people, um, you know, they'll get onto Google and people are naturally inquisitive. Yeah, and that's what we want to encourage them. The brilliant places to find facts out about the JW. But the authorities, the, the bosses in New York, they must be absolutely petrified. Well, when you get to speak with one, you might be able to ask them that. Okay. <laughs> Shane Mitchin.
thank you so much. Good luck. You can't speak to your sons, any other relatives that uh, that have come with you on this journey, or are you shunned? You the only one? No, no. I've got um, most of my family's out. But what what I've found through this whole whole um, series of events that's happened in the last eight nine months is that, and this is something we want to really make clear to. Um, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses who may be listening, Jehovah's Witnesses who may be sitting on the fence and the public, that there is a Facebook group out there. Um, it's lifeafterjw.org. Um, that page has a team behind it that is willing and waiting to show support for anybody unquestionably. Um, as far as Jehovah's Witnesses is concerned, their love is only conditional. If they're in there, they love them. If they're out, they're not. This group of individuals who's behind that uh, Facebook page, lifeafterjw.org, are there to help them, are there to support them, are there to show them love. They will love them. They know what it's like coming out. They know that they want them to be happy just like all XJWs. Yeah, I've heard watch. so so many people um, that have come out or stepped away have felt as though they were the only ones. Yeah, and that's the common story. They just don't know there's help out there. Um, this XJ community, for example, like myself, when I first went onto the internet, I was scared because of the training to Google Jehovah's Witnesses. Right, right. Um, Shane, thank you. We have to pull up stunts at this juncture, but I'll just say it one more time. Life after JW.org if you want help. I appreciate your story. Thank you, Shane. Thank you. The Weekend Variety Wireless. Uh, thank you very much if you're listening on the podcast. The show is podcast hour by our Sunday, uh, Saturday and Sunday should be available Monday. And don't forget the Weekend Variety Wireless webpage. You can have a listen back. To, we've done this new thing. If you, In case you missed Sunday, click on it. You'll get all the things that happened on that day, which is today. Uh, Tim Finn should be fun. In the next hour, reading us a poem. I won't tell you which poem he's going to read. He gets two. We make up the rules as we go along. Why let rules get in the way of anything, huh? J-dubs. Um, yeah, thank you so much to Shane Metchen. It uh, can be a tough thing, uh, speaking publicly about coming out from such... Uh, I've got to say, you know, a, a stifling life... So good on him. John Dippick in the next hour. And another weekend variety wireless beginning next Saturday at 8pm. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs>